If you have a Bible, you want to turn to Ephesians 4. So uh, we've been in this journey, um, we've been in this journey uh, the past couple weeks on the Holy Spirit, and um, basically let me review a little bit, we're going to wrap it up today, but last week, or two weeks ago, we talked about the life that we have in the Holy Spirit, the idea that um, when we uh, understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is alive in us, He awakens us to the, the truth of God and to what it really means to be alive to the things of God. I use the illustration of, um, I have a daughter that's very alive, but she's not alive in Christ. Okay, she's energetic, jumping over chairs like crazy. You may have seen her the past couple weeks, but she is dead in her soul to the things of God. And the Spirit of God is what awakens us and makes us alive. And then last week we looked at the purpose that we have. Um, when the Spirit of God becomes alive in us and we become um, in relationship where we're in conversation with God through His Spirit in our souls, um, the Scripture says that, said that we're, we're clothed with power from on high. And it's a picture of the, being wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. Um, and then today what we're going to talk about is the purpose that comes from the Holy Spirit as we live in those realities. And so um, here's, here's how it's going to work. Um, I want to start big picture. And so we're going to go Ephesians 4. Let me just tell you how we're going to map out today. We're going to start Ephesians 4. We're going to start big picture, um, 30,000 feet up in the air, um, and get, a, get a, um, an air view of what our purpose is as a church, what the purpose of a spirit-filled church is to be, okay? And then... Um, uh, constantly wanting to put people in front of you to, to speak about what God's doing through his spirit. So Rick Nyhoff at that point is going to come up and he's going to share a testimony of um, just how his walk with the Lord has changed through becoming more aware of the Holy Spirit. And then um, we're going to get on the ground, ground level, practically what does it look like for us to live um, life through the Holy Spirit on purpose. Um, and so we're going to talk about practicalities of that. Um, let me pray and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father God, I, I sit up here as a, as a frail, broken man who, apart from your spirit, doesn't have any ability to do anything of value in these moments. And so, God, I pray that you would unleash your spirit's life, power, and purpose into our souls and into our church right now in these moments. God, would you remove us from distraction? And would you engage our souls through the truth of your word? God, engage my soul through the truth of your word. Be our teacher, Holy Spirit. Be our counselor. Speak to us now. We love you. Um, we thank you for your, for your presence. Um, have your way now in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, Ephesians 4. If you're there, uh, we're going to pick up. Uh, we're going to pick up at verse one. Um, let me tell you a little bit about what's happened in Ephesians so far. In Ephesians um, one through three, really, Ephesians is one of the the most amazing uh, pieces of scripture that we have that describe what the church is supposed to be about. Okay, and so Ephesians one, we have here's the picture of salvation, of what salvation, the riches that we have in salvation in Christ. Okay, and then um, as the scriptures always do. Um, 
chapter 4 is going to get into, here's the outworkings of that. Like, here's the purpose. Here's what we do. Like, how now shall we live in response to the great salvation that we have in and through Christ, all right? So Ephesians 4, let's start at chapter, verse 1. Apostle Paul writes, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Okay, so um, just stop there a second. Think about this, okay? Um, when we're outside of Christ, we're in bondage, we're in slavery to sin. Paul says that when we come to Christ, we're now a slave of Christ, okay? Which um, this, the Christian life seems to be at odds all the time, but it couldn't be, it's this paradox. And the paradox is that the most freeing thing that we can give ourselves to is being a prisoner of Christ. And that's what Paul's defining. He says, as a prisoner of Christ, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Okay, so think about this. Think about what salvation is. Okay, take yourself back to the disciples um, early on when Jesus comes to, you know, one of the fishermen. He comes to Peter and he's like, come follow me. Okay, think about that. God, in the flesh, says to Peter, come follow me. Okay, think about the calling of that. Like, here we know, he didn't know who that was. We know that's, that's the Son of God saying, come follow me. Okay, that, think of the, the weight of that call. Now, Paul's like, in the same way that Paul was called, out of a life of killing Christians, he says, walk in a manner worthy of that calling. So, it, it, literally, it's like equal to the weight of that calling. Okay, what's that calling? It's all that Paul talked about through the first three chapters. You can go back and look at those later, but it says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So here's the picture that Paul is laying out for the church. He's saying, the calling that we have as a church, is really marked by this thing called the unity of the Spirit. Okay, and it's all that we talked about the last two weeks, but here's really in a nutshell what it is. It's that what unites us as a church, what unifies us, what gives us purpose as a church, is that the Spirit of God is in us. The Spirit of God marks us that we're distinct. Okay? Um, every single human being, right, is created in the image of God. But only God's people are marked with God's image of his spirit in us, dwelling in us. And so what unifies the church, or what's, what Paul's saying is supposed to unify the church, is the spirit of God alive and in power in the people of God. Okay, and the, the word he uses to describe that is peace. Through the bond of peace. And then he goes on to say there is one body and one spirit. Okay, there's a whole lot of division in the church today, right? I mean, from denominations um, to certain beliefs and certain, and obviously there's things we want to stand on, things we want to say, no, this isn't biblical. But at the same time, Paul's like, there's one body. Like when we get to heaven, there's one church, right? Like it's not just North Church, it's not just Forcing Presbyterian Church, it's not just North County Community Church or whatever church. Like there's one church. Like that, that's the unity that we have in the Spirit of God. One church, one Spirit. One of the things that I want to do as often as I can, um, as I lead here and everywhere my foot touches the floor, is, is I want to help unleash the Spirit of God in you. Okay? And what that means is, like, 
you have access to the same thing I have access to, and the same thing the person next to you have access to, God himself in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead in you. Okay, so, so that's why I, I want to know what you have to say. I want to know what you, like, what's God doing in you? Okay, that's part of the reason why Rick's going to come up here and share in a minute. is because, like, the Spirit of God is in him, working in him, and he has something to bring to the community of faith here, right? Okay, there's one Spirit. Like, the Spirit of God that's in you isn't different than the Spirit of God that's in me. The Spirit of God that's in you is the same powerful Spirit that's in the person next to you. One Spirit that we all have full access to. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. Okay, we sit here, and we, we sit under the banner of what? what? What do I say all the time? What's the banner that we respond to, that we worship to? It's the banner of the glory of God. It's what we're going to respond to when we come and we partake of the broken body and shed blood of Christ. That's our hope as a church, right? Okay, as we gather here, like our hope isn't in how many people are in the seats. Our hope isn't in like what's going to happen tomorrow. Our hope isn't in like how good this Easter egg hunt and block party goes over. Our hope is in Christ. And what unites us as a church isn't like, man, I hope my job goes well tomorrow. I hope I'm not sad tomorrow. I hope my kids behave tomorrow. What unites us as the people of God is the hope that we have. Not like I wonder if, but like it's guaranteed that the hope that we have in Christ. It's the same for every single person in this room and every single person in the body of Christ. One hope. And we push each other to that. We bank on that. We hold to that. One Lord. You see the unity it's talking about here? Okay, so your, your boss isn't your boss. You follow that? Like, okay, Rick's got a boss. Joe's got a boss. Kyle's got a boss. Danielle's got a boss. You know, you go to work for somebody, but you really don't go to work for them. You go to work for the Lord, okay? There's one Lord. There's one master. Like, that's what unites us. So when you, when you go to your job or when you stay at home for your job, the Lord that you work for is the same Lord that the person next to you is working for. See how it's, Paul's unpacking the unity that comes through the Spirit. One faith. There's not several ways to Christ. There's one faith. There's one way to Christ. One baptism. It's talking about being the, the, the picture of the broken body and shed blood of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. We're going to celebrate this next week. Buried with him in baptism. Rose, risen to walk in the newness of life. It's, it's not really even though a picture of that act. It's a picture of what Christ does in saving our souls and putting his spirit in us. One God. And Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Okay, so that's the picture. God over his church that's united in one faith, one Lord, one mission, one hope, one baptism. Okay, now. But, look at Paul says in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, here's the crazy thing. So all that I just described, Christ then, Paul then comes through Christ and says... We're players in the game. That as the church, we play a part in the, in the grandiose story of God. Okay, that he's the one God and Father that's overall and in all and through all. He's doing this massive work. And he says, you know what though? 
I've given you grace. Each individual one of you, Rocky, Jeff, John, Rick, Joe, Kathleen, every, everyone, I've given you grace through my spirit. But grace, verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, what is that talking about? On some part, it's talking about the spirit, like God's given gifts to his people to unify the body of Christ and build up the body of Christ. Now jump down to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So each one of us are equipped by God, are gifted by God to build up the body of Christ, okay? The, the leaders in this church are equipped to, to engage you and to send you out to minister, okay? We empower one another to minister to one another the grace of God. Keep going. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Why? What's the goal? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, let me ask you this question. Do you think it's possible for someone to stumble into maturity? Like, let's think physically. Okay, now someone's, people are going to grow. Like, they're going to grow physically, right? Okay, but you can have a 30-year-old person with the maturity level of a kid, right? Okay, unless... Someone invests in that person and teaches that person. Okay, some of you are like looking at, no, don't look at people around the room. Okay, you're like, yeah, can we bring up an example? No, we're not. Don't look at your spouse, uh, ladies. Like, okay, we're not, we're not, that wasn't the gold here. But, um, like, do you understand that, like, it takes, like, you don't stumble into maturity in Christ. So those of you that are here that are like, I just, like, I just want to grow more in Christ. Well, my question is, is are you engaged in in allowing that to happen? Are there intentional things happening? Are you engaged in this community, asking people to invest in you so that you can be raised up in Christ? Who's pouring into you? Who's investing in you? It's the goal of the people of God is that we would be built up, that we wouldn't look the same, that we could look back on our lives and see, now I've come a little bit further than I was a year ago. I'm a little bit stronger in Christ than I was a year ago. So that, verse 14, we may no longer be children. Listen, there's a whole lot of children in the church today. There's a whole lot of little kids that come on a Sunday morning and just want to be fed some milk. Feed me, pastor, so I can go, on my, go about my week, feel good about myself, and hope that what you have to say gives me the strength to go out. Now, I hope that what I have to say gives you some strength. But listen, if you're not going to the Lord... And being fed through his spirit, you're in trouble. If you're relying upon like this secondhand walk with God, like the pastor walks with God and he helps me walk with God. I'm, Rick and I, we're going to help you walk with God, but you got to walk with God on your own. You got to grow up. You got to mature in Christ. Or you're going to do exactly what's happened here. You're going to be tossed back and forth. You're, you're going to be wavering. Tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. You're just like, 
You don't know your purpose. You're all over the place. One day you're doing this, one day you're doing this. You don't have an identity that's rooted in Christ. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, that's a picture of the body of Christ administering the gifts of Christ to the church. Speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together with every joint with which it is equipped. And picture that. Picture that. You know what it's like to have a weak part in your body? Like You know how much this right here affects how I move and fail to move? Scripture says that every joint is strong and held together. Every person in the body of Christ playing a part to unifying the body of Christ. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I want to have Rick, why don't you go ahead and come up here. Um, so, I want you to hear from Rick about just what God's been doing in him through the Holy Spirit. Um, so, Rick, why don't you share with us for a second here, um, how has your awareness of the Holy Spirit um, affected your walk um, with the Lord? Well, um... I love the way Dave talked about truths of God, and um, God's Word um, is amazing. Um, I, I think you can read it one time, then read it again the next time, and it means it just, a light goes on. It's really, really, uh, I was trying to think of the right word to say, but I think it's divine. I think that he speaks to you, us through the Word, and it's just amazing every time I uh, read the Bible, but you know, in the... Um, um, the Holy Spirit class, I, I, I come to find out. I, I was looking at, like, the Holy Spirit, like, um, you ever see a picture with a print on it, and you have to focus, and you focus, and there's a hidden picture inside of it? There's an episode on Seinfeld, but that's about that's I could get. <laughs> if you really focus, you can see the inside. You can see what the picture really means. And that's kind of the way I held the Holy Spirit. I kind of thought that, you know, he was there. Uh, maybe a third third party or uh, where's Waldo type of thing, um, and um, he um, doing this doing this study. I, I was simply amazed by by what what um, he has for us. And Genesis one, you can turn there if you want. Genesis one verse two, he talks about the earth was without form and void. The darkness was over the face of the of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And that kind of hit me like, man, he's right there, the second verse, second verse of the Bible, and there's the Holy Spirit. How important is, 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 is that for us to know if he's in the second verse? And, and I kind of look at the whole picture of God. I looked at, I looked at God, um, the angels call him holy, holy, holy. Um, he made everything. He made man. He made flowers. He made the universe. He made the earth. And then, then he made Jesus. Jesus came down and sacrificed his, his, his blood for us to be covered because God is so holy, 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 and he, he saved us all. And, but he's not done. He's a complete package. And the Holy Spirit is the next, next thing that um, he gave us. And in verse Romans 8.26 this really, really 
turned my head and, and thought about who he is and what his purpose was. And uh, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our own weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Groanings too deep for words. You know, we all struggle. We all have pain. He's interceding with words. We struggle through life. He's interceding. Every day we, something comes up. He's interceding. And it made me aware that, that verse right there made me aware that no matter what, He's interceding. Every day, he's interceding for us. We're not worthy of anything, but he intercedes. And I thought, man, um, I brought him back in my life. You know, I focused. I focused on that picture, and I, I brought him back in my life. And I prayed to him in the morning that, I mean, he intercedes. I mean, and he wants us to be with him. And so I pray in the morning that, that he will help me. He's the comforter. I pray in the morning that my words that I say will glorify God. And it's really turned me around. And you know, I've read them verses before. But the power of God's word is just simply amazing that, that it's there, and it's there to help us. And no matter what we struggle with or what we have in our life, he intercedes. I mean, that's a complete package. Our God is such a God that he's got it all covered for us. He knows that we struggle. He knows that we walk in terrific times. He knows that we have pain in our lives. But he's got it covered. Um, gosh, one of the most amazing things about walking with the Lord is that um, he's, I think we view him sometimes as this tyrant in heaven that's like, go do this. Um, and on some level, we wouldn't say we believe this, but it's almost like he's like, good luck. Okay, because I mean, like, the things that God calls us to are like, unbelievable, right? Like, really, God, you want me to do that? It's like, no, I don't. I want you to surrender your heart, and I want to do it in and through your life, because um, I'm in you. Um, it's powerful. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. Um, okay, let's get let's get on the ground a second. Um, not not physically, but um, um, let's let's go ground level here and talk about um, the purpose that we have and how it looks practically. I think it's threefold. Um, I think we have a threefold purpose as a church: one, um, upward to the Father; um, inward to the church. And outward to the world. Um, turn if, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Um, I, I want to show you how, through the Spirit of God, we can even know God. Okay, how the Spirit of God is the one who enables us, enables the work of Christ to take place in our hearts, and we can even have interaction with God and know 
the depths of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, says this, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, we talk about this frequently. Okay, picture heaven. Picture what's to come. Okay, there's a lot of questions about what heaven's going to look like and what the end is going to look like. But one thing is not in question. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be glorious. Okay, and it's gonna, it depicts the glory and the fame of God. Okay, and so Paul writes and he's like, we haven't seen it, nor have we heard about it, nor can we even fathom what God has prepared for us. Okay, that's a picture of the glory of God. Okay, so notice here, as we go into verse 10, how the Spirit engages us in our upward relationship to the Father. Okay, verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Okay, I don't know if you realize this, but as finite human beings, um, we, we want to get our hands around God, right? We, we want to solve problems. We want our struggles to go away. We want to get our minds like, God, what are you doing here? And I think on some levels, God wants us to know what he's doing. But on some levels, like he's like, I don't, you don't want to know what I'm doing because you would flip out, right? Okay, and so it says here that there's a depth to God that we'll spend all of eternity diving into. So when you go to the scriptures and you're just like, I don't understand. Yeah, it's all right. You know what? Because we're going to, on some level, be in heaven and be like, I don't understand. Like, and it's going to take all of eternity for us to dive more fully into the depths of the greatness of our God. But here's the amazing thing for us today. The scripture says that the spirit that's in us searches the depths of God and reveals those to us. Okay, so listen, Christian, who opens the Bible and doesn't understand it, it happens to me all the time. I'm like, I'm supposed to teach this. I don't have a clue what it means. God's spirit is in you to reveal to you the depths of God. Look at verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? Okay, I know you've done this before. But have you ever been like, if I could just get in that person's head. Like, I'd love to do this with my kids. Like, what is going through your mind right now? Like, what gives you, what are you thinking that you could actually do what you're doing? Or what is it that drives you? I wish I could get in their head. I wish I could know their thoughts. Know their thought process. Okay? Um, maybe you think about that, about a friend. Or maybe some of you are like nudging your spouse. Like, I don't have a clue what's going on in your head sometimes. Like, um, Paul writes and he says that, in verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? Okay, so there's things right now that are going on in your heart, going on in your spirit that no one here knows. Now, some of it may be sinful. Some of it may be you're living in deception. Okay, you're living a lie. Okay, you're, you're being hush-hush about something. Like, I just hope this person doesn't find out. And, and in your spirit, like, no one knows that but your spirit. Like, God knows it, but we don't know it. But also there's things that are going on in your head that you're like, you're thinking about your day. 
You're, th- you're thinking about maybe you're worried about something that's going to happen today or later this week or a project at work or dealing with the kids at home. Or maybe you're just celebrating something in your spirit right now that you're here and just, just excited. Okay? No one knows that. Some of those things no one knows unless you communicate those things. And here's, it says that, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So listen, it is possible for you to understand God. Not in his fullness, but for those of you that are like, the Christian life, like, I don't get it. Through the power of the Spirit of God, you can understand God. You can understand his ways. You can understand on some level what he's doing. Okay? That's intimacy. Okay, that every single day, Romans 8, 16 is being played out in your soul that his Spirit in you is testifying, is declaring, is proclaiming with your spirit that you are a child of God. That when you're just like, I don't know about this, I don't know if I can do this, I don't got this in me. When you're living in doubt, when you're living in despair, it's like his spirit testifies with your spirit. Man, you're my child. You're wrapped in my righteousness. My power is available to you. The same power that raised my son from the dead is in you. It's in you. You can know God. I don't care what anybody tells you. You can know him. You can open your Bible and you can read the scriptures. You can understand the truth of the scriptures. Because God's spirit's the one who searches the depths of God and speaks into your soul and says, Rick, this is what it means. That's why as often as I can, I want to know, what's God saying to you? Guys that I disciple, what's God saying to you? Not what am I saying to you because I'm discipling you. What's God saying to you? And what are you doing about it? Struggle for us, though, is we can quench the Spirit of God in our lives through sin, which I think on some level looks like this. God says to you, I want you to, after the service, go across the aisle and I want you to ask forgiveness to someone. Ask them to repent of your sin and ask them to forgive you. And you're like, I don't want to do that. God in his patience is like, Dave, I want you to get up after the service, walk across the aisle, and I want you to confess your sin and ask forgiveness to that person. Man, I just don't want to do it. God's spirit. Dave, I want you to go over there. I want you to confess your sin. He's like, no, not doing it. It's too awkward. It's too weird. And God's spirit's like, No. Like, you, you get, like, when we don't listen to the voice of God, what we do is we, on some level, quiet the voice of God in our lives through neglect and through sin. It's what the Bible calls quenching the Spirit. But here's the amazing thing. In this very moment, that voice can be made alive again through obedience and confessing and responding to God. 
There's no, there's no crazy activity. It's repent and spirits made alive. And I believe much of the church, many Christians, even in my own life, we, we quiet the voice of God through our neglect and through our disobedience. Um, secondly, inward to the church. Um, this, is, this is powerful. Paul writes in, in 1 Peter, I'm sorry, not Paul. Um, Peter writes in 1 Peter um, verse 4, chapter 10. I'm sorry, I'm tripping. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Um, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So here's what Paul says. Here's what Peter says. Sorry, we're going to Paul a lot. We're going to go to Jesus later. I'm really going to be confused. Peter did write Peter, right? Somebody help me out. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Pastor. Um, my foot's hurting. <laughs> Not really. I took a whole bunch of ibuprofen, more than my, more than my wife would have wanted me to. Um, I'll confess that later. I better sit on this side so that later I can. Peter wrote, and he says, as each has received a gift. So all of us have been gifted by God through grace. We've each received a gift. Use it. Why? To be like, look what I can do. Look how I'm gifted. Look at the artwork I can do. Look at how I can teach. Look at how I can serve. Look at me. No. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Do you steward grace well? Think about that. Do you, as a grace recipient, give grace well? Peter says that's our job as the church to one another to steward grace well. Okay, I believe that what God's done to us, for us, he did so that we can do to others, so that he can do through us to others. You see that? What God's done to us, what God's done for us, he's done so that we can do outward through us to others. That's stewarding grace. Let me ask you this question, and I want to hear audibly. What, what is community? How would you define community? In a word or a phrase, somebody shoot something at me. Come on. Living together. Okay. Knowing and being known. Some of you guys are like, how do I top that one? What is community? It doesn't matter what the other person said. What is community to you? Honesty. It's good. Accountability. Accountability. What is community? The way we perceive and the way we are perceived. I think that if we're not careful, um, we can view community as, as this, that we like one another, not that there's anything wrong with liking each other, okay, and that we enjoy one another, and what, what marks us as a community is um, we have similar interests, we have similar hobbies, we enjoy watching sports together, playing sports together, we enjoy eating Jenny Max cookies together, and that's, those are going to be in heaven in case you were wondering, we know that in the end, um, okay. But we can define community as like interest-based community. Like, like what makes us one is, wow, we just all love the same things and like to hang out and enjoy each other. 
The scriptures define it entirely different. Not that it doesn't include those things, but the scriptures define it entirely different. Paul here, and I know this is right because I know Paul wrote Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Look at this. This is profound. Paul says, for I long to see you. Okay, let me stop. Don't look at the rest because you're cheating. One of the most unbelievable things about our church is how that's true of us. Okay, raise your hand if you spent time with someone in this body this week. Put your hand up. If you spent time, put it up high. I want it up high. If you spent time with someone else in this community. Okay, look at like all these hands all across the room. What did you say? Dorsey's out. What the heck? Slackers? Come on, get out. Good to see you guys. <laughs> okay. We long to see one another. Okay, but let's see if it matches this. And I think at times it does. I think at times, like, it doesn't. But look, look at what Paul says, Romans 1. For I long to see you. Why? So that we can eat Jen's cookies together, so that we can watch football together, so that we can enjoy each other? Yes, absolutely, but it goes so much deeper than that. That I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Do you see that? That as the church, our job inward through the Spirit of God is that we've been given gifts by God to strengthen one another's faith in God as we live life, as we do life together, as we're known and being known and perceived and perceiving and being honest and living in accountability. As we're doing these things, listen, the goal is that we may be strengthened that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Do you, when you hang out, when you, think about this, this week, let's just be practical. When you spent time with whoever you spent time in this church, was there any mutual upbuilding and encouragement, strengthening of the faith that happened in your conversations? Were you, were you administering grace to one another? That's what marks the spirit-filled community that is defined in the scriptures. That we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Listen, some of you, you're, with your words, you're unbelievable in how you can encourage and uplift and upbuild people. Do that. Speak truth. Speak love. Some of you are like, you don't want me to talk. I'm going to botch it. But the way you serve and the way you give of your time is unbelievable. Do you strengthen faith in that? Some of you, the way you teach and the way you explain and the way you paint pictures of who God is, it's just eye-opening. Do you do that to the community of faith when you're together? That's what Paul's talking about. This inward, spirit-filled community. We strengthen each other. It's the kind of church I long to be. Not that just enjoys cookies and football and sports and shopping, but that does all of those things with the Spirit of God alive in us, administering grace to one another. Because listen, when that Spirit's unleashed, 
we live with a holy ambition that wants none, nothing more than to strengthen the faith of those around us through the love that we administer to them. Like, there's no greater purpose. Like, we could talk about some things that are just boring and aren't life-giving. This is life-giving, and this is the purpose that God has for his church. And here's the thing. When you take that kind of community, okay, that's engaged with the Spirit of God and living full of the Spirit outward to one another to strengthen one another, and then you take that and you turn that kind of church, which I believe God's molding us into that kind of church, and you turn that kind of church outward to the world, unbelievably impactful. And I believe that's the kind of church you see in the book of Acts when you see them living out their spirit-filled community, living that out. It's the picture that Paul writes, um, or that, sorry, Jesus this time. Jesus writes in John 17 um, when he's praying. Ben, this one isn't up there. I know you're looking for it. Um, He's praying and he says, God, I pray that that they, the church, may be one as we are one. So he's like, the picture is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I pray that the church would look like us in unity. That they may be one as we are one. That we may love that way and serve that way. And then he turns it outside and he said, so that the world may know that you sent me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Listen, you're like, I've heard this verse 600 times. Listen, the power of the Spirit of God, alive in God's people, and turning the church outward to the world, will change the world just like it changed the course of history in the early church. And I believe God's beginning to do an even significant work even in our day and even in our church in turning us outward. It's, it's all over the place, right? I mean, conversations going on about starting a crisis center, conversations happening with, I'm engaging my neighbor, like, help me love my neighbor. Here's how I'm praying for my neighbor. And even strangers. But here you guys talking about, like, met this stranger, and I went and did this for him, and I went and served him. Our community garden, like, have you heard lately? If you haven't heard lately what's happening with our community garden, I won't unpack it now, but you need to go talk to Megan. She probably can't fully put words to it, but it's blown up. Let me just put it this way. We're on the zoo's budget, okay? You can ask questions later, but it's blown up, okay? And the impact that that God wants to do is, as we are more excited and more outward focused as a church that's full of the Spirit and engaged in loving our neighbors, loving our family that don't know Christ, serving the city of Florissant through the community garden that, that we've started and the partnerships that we have, finding broken people that are in crisis that need a place to come. A group of people went yesterday and served at a children's home. Like, these conversations are happening, and they're awesome, and I'm excited about what God is doing. And this, listen, this is the purpose. This is the purpose as a church, that when you take the upward reality that we have through the Spirit of God, the intimate relationship we have through the Father, and the impact that that has as we administer that grace to one another, and then as a community, we think about what does it look like? 
for us to take the love that we have for one another and to project that out. I believe there's no more impactful thing than seeing God's people love one another and love people that don't know how to receive it. And I've literally seen people look me in the eye and say, I don't know what to do with your church and the way you love people. I'm just like, it's okay. One day, you'll understand. Powerful. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond to the Lord and intentionally put the sermon towards the beginning of these three weeks so that we have ample time to listen to the Spirit of God and respond. We're going to pray and we're going to sing. And here's all that I want you to do. Is I want you to surrender your heart to the Lord and say, Spirit, speak to me. God, speak to me. And listen, whatever he says to you, you do in obedience. Maybe you haven't heard his voice. Say, God, I haven't heard your voice. I want to hear your voice. Maybe you, you don't think you can know God. Confess that lie. Maybe you need to walk across the aisle and confess something to someone. as we respond to the Lord, as we come up and we break the bread and celebrate the broken body and shed blood of Christ, if you're a Christian here today, we invite you to do that. What's God's Spirit saying to you and what are you doing about it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you have persevered it through time to our day. I thank you for your spirit that's in us. God, make it alive in us. Pray that we would find purpose through the life-giving power of you through your spirit in us, all because of the work done by your son. God, none of this would be possible without the work of your son. So we say thank you. And we come to you now and we say, enable us to humble our hearts, to hear your voice. God, enable the person out there that's holding sin in, not wanting to confess it. By your Spirit's power, would you enable them to confess and do business with you? And would you lead us now in experiencing your presence. God, that's all I pray. Because it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what we do. I believe if you allow us to experience your presence, we'll just won't know what to do but to obey. So come now. Pray in Christ's name.